and welcome back to Beyond the Stage with me, Paul Adams. I'm the Learning and Engagement Manager, SRT, and the podcast is part of our Learning and Engagement Program. And I say this a lot, I know, but it is a real pleasure to introduce my two guests as we venture into the world of STEAM, arts education, and uh, thinking about how you integrate arts into your educator's life. Um, Song Tune from the Singapore Science Centre joins us, along with Dr. Geraldine um, from the NTUC First Campus, two doctors in the house, um, and two people that I admire, and I'm really thrilled that they've joined us to have this conversation today. So um, please sit back and enjoy. These two uh, professionals have been really important to development of uh, learning and engagement at SRT, and I'm thrilled to share them with you, their knowledge, their experience uh, with you today. So let's go beyond the stage. And welcome to Beyond the Stage. I am super excited to have two amazing colleagues with me that I've worked with since I've been in Singapore. An absolute uh, privilege to know them both. Uh, we've got uh, Song Chun from the Science Center. We'll talk a little bit more about what he does and, uh, in, in a little while and how he gets around working with STEAM and arts. And we've got Geraldine. Um, who's one of our colleagues, uh, works with the NTUC First Campus. Um, these two guys are awesome, and it's my privilege to welcome you to the podcast. Hey, guys. Hello. Hey. Thanks for having us, Paul. Not a Thank problem. Really is, my, really is a privilege. And um, in, in true, we're going to get on to talking about, you know, arts education, uh, STEAM education, and how we can really, you know, excite learning in many different ways in this podcast. That's the plan. But we cannot start the Beyond the Stage without an icebreaker. That is right. The dreaded icebreaker. <laughs> so this is a bit of fun. And hopefully we'll get to know you guys a little bit better. And of course, you guys are learning a little bit about each other on the podcast. So, uh, Jerry, we'll start with you. You're going to do truth, truth, lie. So you deliver me three statements. And I've got to try and guess. And Song Chun, you can guess two. Uh, which is the mm. lie? So there'll be two true statements and there'll be one lie. Give it okay, to Okay, here I go. Okay, here I go. My first statement is, I love all things pink. The second statement is, I am corally trained. And the third statement is, I am an introvert. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds difficult already. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I don't think, I've met you many times now. I don't think I've ever seen you with pink. I'm not sure. I don't know if that's a little That's my guess too, since she doesn't have any pink on her today that's my oh, I should have one pink then <laughs> <laughs> oh, that could be you could be tricking us really well are yeah, you an introvert be. Jerry an introverted doesn't sound, person doesn't that's sound a, like it doesn't sound like it yeah but possible possible um, okay I'm gonna go for I could imagine you're corally trained I could imagine you've thrown that skill into your, your work over the years so I'm gonna go with the lies the I'm going to actually go with the lie is the pink. I think that's the red herring. What about you, Song Chun? Same as me, yes. The pink is the giveaway. Oh, I should okay. have one pink. That is uh, the lie. We are right. Sounds like we are right. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the, the reason We've, why uh, I thought it would be a, you know, a red herring is really because, one, uh, in early childhood, most people love pink. And yeah, over the years, yeah. I've got so many pink accessories and pink things. Because people just 
give it to me and then I, I have a paranoid thing about matching. So I have a lot of pink things, but pink is really, really not the color I love at all. Duly noted, Jerry. <laughs> no more pink. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, uh, I feel like we use some good investigatory skills there, Song Chun. Yes, on that one. So, uh, yes. inquiry-based approach, right. yes. Yes. There you go. There's a theme emerging. <laughs> okay, you'll go. Uh, Sung Chun, you're up. Give us three statements and we'll work out a lie. Right. The first statement is um, I'm pone deaf. The second statement is I used to be obese and literally mean obese. And the third statement is uh, I love Manchester United. Hmm. <laughs> well, I'm I'm deeply upset with the third one, Song Chun. Because I, <laughs> I got this in. Just, I, I deliberately got this because I know you quite well. <laughs> Jerry, where are you going to place your lie? Because I know where the lie is straight away. You do. I think I it's the third do. one because uh, Song Chun paused for such a long time, and if if it was true, it would come quite naturally. Mm, yeah, it could be I a mean, fake, you know. <laughs> you know, let's cut to the chase here. We've got a Liverpool right. fan in our midst. So the, thir- <laughs> the, the, the third one is absolutely <laughs> a lie. <laughs> and let's just dive in. Let's get to know you a little bit. So, I mean, uh, Jerry, maybe just give us a, a little bit about your background. What, what do you do? Uh, I'm an early childhood professional. I'm a practitioner. I have been in early childhood for about 30 years. Uh, and the joke wow. is, of course, uh, if, you, if you take my blood and you want to type it, it would read ECE uh, because I've worked <laughs> through the ranks from being a teacher to a principal uh, and to being a faculty member for half of that 30 years. So mm. uh, I have a lot of passion for early childhood education. Yeah, and it, it, it flows through you, Jerry, for sure. Um, <laughs> Song Chun, what about yourself? What, what is it that you do and what, what brings you into this world of, of STEAM and arts? Well, by background, actually, I was a scientist by training. So I used to do the hardcore science, you know, wearing a lab coat, um, doing the research in the lab, trying to understand how different uh, genes impact life and cancer in particular. So, um, but then I found a calling uh, where I decided, hey, uh, maybe working in a lab uh, didn't really translate to the instant gratification or the joy that I see uh, in bringing maybe uh, steam, you know, the arts or the science to the people. So uh, I made that switch to really join Science Centre, I mean, almost 10 years ago now. And then um, having taken on the Kids Stop, which is our Children's Science Centre portfolio. So um, I realised that by coming up with very simple relatable activities in terms of steam uh to our you know early childhood uh, audience be it the parents or even to the students i can bring joy into their life and i can see the immediate gratifications to to them that really brought out uh the excitement as well as the joy uh, in me well let's just go right back to so we have a little bit of a careers focus here on the podcast and so i'd love to hear jerry uh, we'll start with you when you were starting out what kind of, um, you know, as a young child, as a, as a young person thinking about career choices, what were the things that were influencing you or inspiring you along the way? Well, the story goes that when I used to come back from kindergarten, and this story to- was told by my grandfather to many people, right? Uh, I used to bring my dolls out and uh, use a blackboard, a small blackboard, and 
teach all the stuffed toys that I had. So when Amazing. I decided to go into teaching, I think nobody in my family was uh, particularly surprised. Uh, but I was very inspired as I was considering a career in teaching, um, moving into kindergarten space because uh, I had a wonderful uh, kindergarten teacher. Uh, and then I had a very good primary one teacher. And what was uh, inspiring about them is they told very good stories and they always wore something that was very interesting on themselves. You know, my, my primary one teacher, Mrs. Holmberg, used to have beads with animals mm -hmm. and interesting stuff on it. And Miss Quack, my kindergarten teacher, used to have lovely brooches she used to wear. And I was intrigued mm. by those things about what they brought. And I wanted to be like them uh, when I was very young. Wow, that's that's amazing, Jerry. Because I'm going to learn a bit about you that I, you know, that I don't know as well today. And so that is a that is we're talking about being really inspired by people around you from a very young age. There, as and a children are visual learners. I mean, they are, they all senses, you know. So the classroom is actually their oyster, and what you put in it is really important for young children. Absolutely. And for for you, Sung Tun, where where did uh, where did your your kind of science passion start? Is it something you was into from an early age or did it develop later? Uh, uh, mm, I mean, I guess there are two stages. So I, I remember when I was young, um, at that time there were, I mean, we had a, a garden, a uh, kind of common park uh, near near my place. So me and my sister and a, a few of my neighbours used to just go there and catch, you know, guppies from the drain. And also we get to catch spiders. And of course we get to play with, you know, uh, magnifying glass. So we get dried leaves and we use to focus the sun onto the dried leaves and that created uh, a burning kind of thing. Of course, we didn't burn down the garden, but uh, that kind of created a spark in, in me that, hey, um, there's many things and they can be explained by science at that stage. So I, I, I told myself, hey, maybe I want to be a scientist, but I didn't know what really a scientist was at that time. So that kind of um, got me to be very curious about things, how things happen. Um, and then I remember when I was at university, um, uh, my professor really inspired us. Uh, I mean, he didn't wear anything fancy for uh, approach or anything, but I think it was purely by his words of wisdom where things can be really be explained um, uh, systematically using a really a scientific uh, mindset that got me to think, hey, uh, maybe we can try to explain things in a very systematic way. So I kind of got I mean, maybe I'm a bit of a systematic person, uh, but uh, that kind of resonated with me and made me want to do yeah. a bit more about science uh, at that stage already. So yeah, being very inquisitive, being uh, keeping an open mind about the possibility of a, a certain uh, topic. You know, um, science is kind of everywhere and it's not really fixed. Um, uh, and you can have a hypothesis and then you explain uh, through your experimentation by being uh, using inquiry approach. So that's maybe where I got into really like science. Uh, from from kind of a young age, isn't it wonderful yeah. to hear how our early experiences influenced really what we pursued, and therefore yes. the earliest to me really really, really is very important. Uh, exactly. What kinds of experiences you give to young children, uh, you know, and 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 it's not just about the academics. It's exactly that you know, uh, some the fact that you are out outside. Um, in the drains, catching guppies, mm. all those yes. wonderful <laughs> things. I, I, I think uh, it's important for, for the listeners to hear that, that uh, mm. the kind of experiences we give young children 
uh, are very critical to helping them decide what they're going to be later on in life. Actually, I always think that um, kids are born explorer, they're born scientists. So they like to put things, you know, from a young developmental age, they like to put things in their mouth, to taste it, to feel it. I mean, they don't know what, they, they have no sense of danger. Um, and then it is only when they get a bit older and then they, they, they start asking too many questions that parents say, hey, stop asking too many questions, I'm very busy, you know. Um, and then they learn to kind of accept it that, you know, um, I should ask many questions. You know, they stop asking why or why is the sky blue? Why am I doing this? Then they kind of uh, shape us the way that we are, you know, stop asking so many questions. Uh, I mean, if you want to look at it in this manner, it's kind of regressing. You don't ask any more questions, you kind of just accept it as it is. So I, I hope that, I mean, like what you shared, the early experiences really should trigger them to keep an open mind, to ask more questions. Um, you know, uh, Paul brings back to what we did always uh, wonder why, ask more questions. I think that is the kind of attitude that we want really our, our young people to have, really. Yeah, it's a catalyst switch was a performance yes. that kids stop. Yes, we can bring that up. Our, yes. Always <laughs> question, always so wonder. Always wonder. <laughs> I shouldn't I shouldn't sing because I'm prone deaf and I can't sing, so I'll leave that. You should absolutely more. sing. The joy of singing, <laughs> even if it sounds terrible. No, it's brilliant. Um I mean it's it yeah, I mean those experiences and, and whether those experiences, you know, are in the real world, which are really important. But also, you know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about drama and imagination and, you know, you can take children to those places in your classroom. And, you know, so although we might not be phys always physically experience them, we can use this wonderful imagination tool to still do that and, and travel the world in many ways. So um, this is where creativity and imagination and curiosity all, all fall into, the, into, into place. Um, so just before we move on to talk a little bit about some specific programs, I'd love to just hear about your relationship to the arts. So Coral trained, Jerry, maybe, you know, <laughs> have you had a relationship to the arts from being young as well? Or is it about appreciation as, a, as an audience member? Like, what's your relation there? Um, I was introduced uh, to the, okay, as a young child, I was very imaginative. I always thought of, you know, um, did dram dramatic play in my own home, use the bed sheets to make tents and stuff. And I, my mom was uh, very uh, keen to get me to sing in the church choir. So I sang in a church choir and was chorally trained. I, I, I sang in the choir for almost 25 years. Uh, um, sacred and secular music. Yeah, and what was very interesting is that in the church choir that I was in, uh, we didn't just sing. We got involved in drama because we used to have Easter pageants and Christmas concerts, and there had been dance and there was acting involved. So from the age of uh, nine, I was very much involved in that, and that continued uh, to be to fuel my uh, inspiration for the arts. And then when I did my master's degree, actually, um, in Wheelock College in Boston, I had the wonderful opportunity uh, for summer school. And I did a module called uh, Through a Thousand Doors. Mm -hmm. And it, it was facilitated in the Wheelock Family Theatre. And that was the very first time uh, I understood what family theatre was all about. Uh, and then looking at how we could use the arts, or uh, the drama skills, uh, the singing skills in what we do every day in the classroom, that was just liberating for me. Yeah, it was like 
I was caught and then all of a sudden I could use everything that I was inspired and I knew how to do in my classroom. That was just amazing for me. So I wanted yeah, everybody so else to do the same thing. <laughs> Yeah, sounds like a huge turning point there when a little bit like Sung Chun was talking about before about we almost get we get caught in the, um, I suppose, rigidity of processes and the traditions and what should be. And we yeah. forget that actually we can we can pull all these facets together and we can do something quite dynamic and unique. Exactly. And, and our, yeah. And for you, similar for you, Sung Tune, mm. did you, did you, as a tone deaf singer, was you singing away as a child? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I think I was. I mean, I was probably inspired by my dad. I mean, he liked, he, he loves listening to music. And then at that time, um, we had the radio on at home or in the car and we were listening to music. And I realized that, um, thinking back, uh, I realized that music really kind of, um, I would say classify certain periods in your life. So for example, um, when we were in the army, um, I, I remember we were listening to, um, there was a song by Savage Garden called uh, Careless and Free Animal Song or something. Yeah, so at that, at that time, it was a bit of an irony because we were in camp, we couldn't get out and it was like running like animals, animals careless and free. So that, that song typified, um, kind of reminded me really of my army days when we couldn't book out and we were in camp. So, so I realized that when I think back, many different um, songs, um, depending on where you where you listen to it, uh, it sort of triggers a memory uh, to a certain stage of your life, and that's when I really realized the 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 powerful uh, impact that music or even certain dramas that you see really uh, have in your life. So I, I can imagine, and then when we went to Kid Stop, Kid Stop, we used really um, music, uh, song and dance, as well as dramatization of certain um, elements, to bring out certain elements in science. So, so we know that the impact of this is very uh, powerful, um, especially to evoke the memory, evoke the learning um, of our young audience. So, so that's where we think uh, learning uh, STEM, I mean, which stands for science, technology, engineering, and math. And if we add in the A, becoming STEAM, um, that will really enhance um, the learning and the ability to remember of our, our young uh, audience. Yeah, so that's where we realize the powerful uh, uh, impact of arts uh, in STEAM. Do you, it's a great, great segue, Sung Chun, into the, mm. this idea of STEAM. Um, mm. Jerry, in, in your world, we talk about obviously arts education, arts integration. Well, is STEAM a term that's registering in the early year space? Well, in, in early childhood education, we see learning as integrated. I think this has been historically something that we've, we've tried to advocate for from 20 years ago because we know from neuroscience that children don't learn in silos. It also goes mm. back to the whole idea of whole brain learning, right? I mean, we, we, we segment the brain into a left and a right hemisphere. But if you look at it, really, the brain needs to work as a whole. So if we yep. say that the left side of the brain is for logic and we only focus on that, then we are lopsided. Mm. How might yep. we bring yep. in creativity and curiosity and the whole idea of uh, you know, uh, finding my own way of representing right? the whole idea of, of what I understand of the world uh, requires a lot of the right brain. So how do we do whole brain learning more than just mm. left or right brain? So I think STEAM mm. does that very, very well. Uh, when you bring in, you know, the whole idea of drama and, and the whole idea of song, uh, can you sing a, a formula? Will that help you remember better? I think, I yeah. think those things uh, work. 
Yeah, mm. absolutely. Yeah, I, I think, think they complement. They could. They really complement each other. They shouldn't really be in silo. You know, stem by itself and then starts on its own. It's really all integrated and it's more holistic in in that manner. Really. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree, and I think that you know we we talk about how using stories to make sense of information, right? At a very yes. sim- simple level, you know, how how do we how do we allow like we, you talked before about kind of that inquiry investigation, and if we can do through that through the guise of storytelling, mm-hmm. um, it's a wonderful way to to get that scientific information or mathematical numeracy or history, exactly. yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, in, in, so maybe just talk a little bit in Kids Stop, Songjun, because it's such a, I mean, I feel like it's my second home. <laughs> it is, it is. We, see, I, we should have an office there. <laughs> I know. Um, you know, SRT have been partnering with, uh, with uh, Singapore Science Centre and Kids Stop for, for a couple of years now. And um, yeah. so maybe just tell us a little bit about where do you see that interaction with STEAM inside Kids Stop? So what we what we have, I mean, it's uh, I would say art theme. It's all around from our programming level to our exhibits as well. So at the programming at the preschool level, so we work very closely. In fact, with uh, even my first school as well, we have a uh, kind of a, a MOU that was signed three years ago with uh, Sengkang West Campus, where we use uh, we show them how to use. Um, STEM to bring out certain numeracy even or uh, to even to complement again with the arts to, to really bring out everything in a holistic uh, uh, manner. So at, at Kids Talk, it comes in from the programmatic level. So for all preschool, we use uh, drama, dramatization uh, for our programming to learn maybe about health, to learn about their body, learn about, you know, different occupations. Uh, and then that that translate even into our exhibition as well. So a lot of our exhibits are also also has a, a steam element. For example, we have a music zone, so they learn about um, a different percussion, high pitch, low pitch frequency, uh, using our, our our music zone as well, all the instruments. And of course, our holiday program again, it's uh, it, in the same vein as uh, integrating STEM with arts as well. So there are different elements where they actually like um like like like, like what you shared. Uh, seeing out certain uh, different scientific concepts to allow them to really remember some things a, a little bit better. Of course, it's not rocket science. It's just a way to really get them to really uh, uh, remember uh, certain concepts that uh, we are trying to bring across. And of course, uh, through partnership with, for example, SRT, we wanted to um, have a different way uh, for people to really explore a, a STEAM uh, in the form of, uh, I think in uh, last year where we did the Catalyst, it was a roving prominent theatre so we use song and dance together with our characters, together with our audience, um, for them to feel part of the whole experience, the musical journey through the various exhibits uh, in uh, Kids Stop itself. So I think we are always open to exploring different ways of how we can you know, integrate the arts together with STEM uh, because I, I think this too, as we uh, as the panel here, really we think it's really, you know, um, like uh, brothers and sisters, you know, we are really bonded by blood. We, we shouldn't be separated at all. And each um, will really bring out the, the good and the best of each other. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, really put nicely, that, actually, Sungjoon. I really like the way you put that. Um, and, and, and for you, Jerry, does, how does that, you know, translate then into, you know, you're, you're working in many different classrooms, many different centres. How does that work translate into the classrooms that you see? Is it, is it something where teachers are quite... Uh, confident in in integrating the arts now is it becoming more commonplace or do you still see challenges that we're facing i think uh there's a lot more that needs to happen uh to incorporate the arts into the early childhood curriculum i think Mm -hmm. 
it's not right or wrong. I, I, I think for a long time in Singapore, uh, preschool was seen as preparation for primary school. Not wrong at all. Um, but I think that education is beyond just preparing children for primary one, right? And I think the work that we have done uh, in, with SRT uh, as a pilot uh, for Little Schoolhouse has shown how important the arts is for young children. So even, you know, the fourness of four, how do you use that with your body, right? Uh, and we can use stories. So from end to end, the introduction of the story, which can be very dramatic to the whole idea of what does it mean when I feel it in my body? What does it mean when we manipulate it with objects? And then how can you represent it really in a 2D, like a, a worksheet or, or a painting? Because when we talk about the arts, it's not just the performance arts that we're talking about. We should also think about the visual arts, right? There are other kinds of arts that we need to incorporate in. So how can we put that all together? And of course, at the end of the day, it really requires teacher training. Yeah, it, it, it's not a given that teachers know how to do this intuitively. Teachers must be yeah. uh, trained to be able to have the strategies uh, in their classrooms. And I think a lot more work needs to get done on that front. Yeah, totally agree, yes. I can see yeah, Sung Chin's nodding away on our, on our, on our Zoom yeah, recording. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I think what we, uh, as um. Uh, you correctly pointed out, I think teachers need to be um, either empowered or really they need to feel confident about their ability. We realize that when we work with some teachers to really um, teach them how to use science in their everyday kind of, a, I won't call it curriculum, everyday teaching of the, uh, the early, in the early childhood sector, we really realize that they, they see science as a highbrow kind of topic as well, I, I, I think. Um, and they feel that, hey, they don't know a lot. Then why the, uh, the, the, the kids ask them a certain question, scientific question, they really... Uh, feel a bit scared, I think. So that's where we really want to, um, like what uh, Jerry suggested, is also to empower them to really either do more independent thinking or really to you know guide them in where are the resources that they can trust. You know, now that the internet is so uh, easily available, we want them to direct them in the right direction for them to really read up more of the background. So that's where we need to do a bit more in terms of PD uh, for teachers to empower them to really... Uh, Think of certain yeah. things in, in yeah. that manner. Well. I, I agree with you, Song Chun. Yeah. I think uh, mm. when we worked with uh, SRT and we brought the artists uh, into our centers, I think the key mm. word that came to my mind and my encouragement to the teachers and the leaders was be brave. Yes. Don't be afraid because it doesn't matter whether you can sing or not, just sing, you know? <laughs> I, think, I think that. Uh, was a breakthrough for many of our teachers mm. because it's like, mm. maybe I'm not good enough and so on and so forth. But if mm. we see and we put ourselves mm. out there and, and it reminds me of, of a recent uh, uh, movie I, I, I watched on Netflix by Brene Brown mm. called A Call to Courage, right? The whole right. idea of putting out ourselves out there mm. and being vulnerable mm. is really important uh, because children see that and they model that for themselves. Yes. Exactly, exactly. So I, I think I think children usually wouldn't laugh at you even though you're, they, yeah. you can't sing properly. But I think the effort they put in, they really can appreciate, I feel, at that, at that certain at that age. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, we, we see the room light up when teachers step outside of that comfort space, you know, mm. and, and part, of, part of the sustainability of, of arts integration, arts practice, in, particularly in the preschool space, is really about flexing the muscle, right? We, we, we talk about it all the time. Um, people, ask me, people ask me from a theatre perspective to kind of lecture 
And I and I, mm. I, I said, I can't lecture on this subject, but we can do it. <laughs> we can we can get in a room and we can actually live and breathe and and do this space. And so I think, you know, the, the little schoolhouse program is a prime example of we're, we're really going to have to do this. We're not just going to talk about it. We're, and uh, you've got to jump mm. off the ledge. And, and I like that, uh, Jerry, find, find your, your brave. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, and it almost, you know, I love we, we're doing the wolf trap work at the moment, uh, which I, I see also every day at the moment. Um, I see the, the excitement and curiosity when the teacher does the work so they Mm. yes they're glued to the artist for a while they're enjoying watching the artist currently on screen but the second that the teacher drops into that character it's just something else and I've seen teachers working walking around the space in character questioning their children on curriculum topics and getting (laughs) so many answers because they're just like oh my days this is amazing there's this this characters here and I know it's my teacher but it's amazing because they're 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 playing with us they're playing with us and uh it's a it's a a wonderful thing to see and I know we probably see that in your centers Jerry and and certainly see that in kids stop as well yeah and Mm. I think it goes back to what uh Song Jun spoke about in the beginning which is we are born curious. We are born to explore. And the exactly. fact that the adults can do that now and have the liberty mm. to do that and the skills and the strategies, we are going back to what we know and bringing it to the children that we are working with. So it, it, mm. it is something we, we must do more. <laughs> yes, to encourage them, to empower yes. them. Really. Yes, 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 mm. yes. This is a great um, segue into this this theme that's reoccurred in the podcast actually which i think is very much about arts but i also think about science as well what what's your relationship maybe i'll go song tune i'll put you on the spot first what's your relationship sure. with failure well i think i think failure has um i mean in currently in singapore uh, context um uh, traditionally failure is seen as a no-go you know it's seen as a, a black mark in your career for example it's seen as a, a kind of a, a maybe if you want me to say maybe a bad word or I mean you're a failure if you're labelled as a failure means you know that's the end uh, but I, I think what at least in the last few years um, at least from the government um, manner I think what we are trying to do at least at, uh, at Science Centre and maybe at Kidstop we are trying to create kind of a fail-safe and, uh, environment so it's okay to fail. I mean, you know, like a science, right? A science uh, theory, it's only like a hypothesis that's proven to be true at a certain point in time. So what we want to them to know that, you know, in scientists, um, you know, in school, a science topic is, you know, a science fact, it's uh, labeled as, you know, a fact. You know, full stop, that's the end, you know. But actually in real life, in, in terms of a science, if you're a scientist, um, it is true until another scientist proves otherwise. So uh, it's the same for failure. You know, you learn from a failure. I think that is, the even more important uh, point in, in, in our life. Um, we shouldn't uh, label failure as a black mark, but rather we should take it as a learning point for us to build upon, for us to ponder why you know we fail and how we can go about uh, navigating life or a, a certain failure even better and so that to build on it to become successful in, in the end. So I think that's, that's my take on, on, on failure at least. Um, yeah. Jerry, mm. what, what's your experience in your space? I don't think the children mind failing. I think it's the adults exactly. who put the idea that failure is bad uh, and mm. that you cannot fail uh, mm. or yeah. we don't want to fail. 
But I think all mm. children want to do well and they know and they will try and try again. So I think it's not about failure or success. It's about a mindset. And I think the, the, the jargon nowadays is a growth mindset, right? Coming from, mm. from uh, Carol Dwight. Uh, that you yeah. want children to, to keep uh, at what they're doing, to keep improving, making small improvements. Mm. And that yeah. whole idea of resilience and perseverance. And these are the skills I think not... Uh, and not only needed in early childhood, but throughout our lives, you know, and exactly. if they can find a way to keep at it, to, you know, not be, every time you get down, you come up again. Every time you get down, you come mm. up again and you, you find more strategies to get to mm. doing it better. I think that's what we want. Uh, so it's, it's exactly. about training a certain kind of mindset so that mm. failure isn't seen as a bad word or something that's bad. Uh, but as a, mm. a means to learning, yeah. yeah. And I, I and I think um, our education system is trying to reverse engineer mm. some of that. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, previously it's like oh, everyone want a true train, you no know, success. Everyone is every stage of life. You just need to pass exam to go to the next level. But I think um, we probably has given up a bit of resilience, you know, along the way. But I think we are trying to rebuild that. I think that's a very important word especially in a uh, certain now COVID situation. Uh, the resident, I think, is the main kind of uh, a good character that we are trying to really build in our, I mean, in the whole Singapore context, like not only at the early childhood, but in the whole population from young to old, literally. Um, what, what tips would you advise someone who maybe, let's say someone's in training now, they're thinking about, you know, that they've, the, the, they've took the plunge, they're doing the, the starting the work, what kind of things do you want them to think about when they're going into accessing, you know, young people and working with young minds? Um, I think you need to have a passion uh, for, for teaching. You must want to develop and nurture. I think that's very important. Uh, I think many uh, conversations I've had with very young educators is, you know, why did you pick early childhood education? And they say uh, they love children. And that's really like a motherhood statement. But the moment they get into a classroom and they hold up a book and the children run away from the book <laughs> and I ask them again, do you think you still love children? But I think if they have a disposition of wanting to nurture, uh, mm. I think they, that will carry them through. And also be mindful that in teaching, and, I, and because I have been teaching you know, up to the degree level, uh, isn't a nine to five job. I, I think very few jobs in, in, in this time in, in, that we are in mm. is a nine-to-five job. So if they, they are not expecting to do you know, their own research and continue to sharpen their saw, the reading that they need to do, uh, I mm. think they will be very disappointed or very disillusioned. But knowing that it is, it's in teaching, you're growing yourself too, and so you have to invest in yourself is very important. Yeah. Great, thank you. Uh, Sung Chung? Um, literally, yes. I, I think um, uh, Jerry really mentioned the word passion. Uh, passion really is an essential, um, I would say, mindset or even a component of what um, I, I think we should advise the, the people. I mean, be it going to early childhood, be it going to education, be it going to any type of career. So um, if you really have the passion of what you want to do, um, it will really go... A long way in helping uh, you make that switch, be it a mid-career switch or be it uh, a, a making a decision at when you're at polytechnic or you are in uh, early degree kind of level. Um, 
same similarly for a scientist, let's say if you want to be a scientist, um, you need to have the passion to want to make a um, to to make a discovery. For example, yeah, I mean for 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 us at Kidstop, I think passion definitely is. Uh, one of the essential um, factor. So there's one additional differences I, I think um, with uh, maybe uh, as a preschool educator that we want to do it's also to make a difference. Um, dip, uh, in contrast to preschool um, educator where they have a full year or even maybe a few years to really stay with um, uh, their, their, their students you know, from N1 for example all the way to K2 before they go to primary school. But for us, um, we maybe only have that two hours uh, to interact with our preschoolers who come and visit us at Kidstop. So we really need to make that difference uh, in to create a spark in steam uh, in the lives of the preschoolers. So uh, no matter how bad you have uh, a day you have at home or at work, but when the educators really go into the classroom to deliver that two to three hours, uh, for example, uh, up to two hours, for example, uh, of workshop, or even sometimes even shorter for a preschool program, it's only 45 minutes. That 45 minutes is very critical because you can make or break uh, a student in that 45 minutes. So, oh, the teacher is so boring, I don't understand. You know, science is so difficult. You know, that 45 minutes is critical to us. So we really need our educators to not only be passionate, but also to make a difference uh, in, in, in that, yeah. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. If we talk, uh, mm. we talk about wow, wow moments in, in <laughs> workshops. You know, how yeah. do you, how you know, uh, an artist in particular, or even a science educator, having a quick, you know, like you say, forty-five minutes to two hours. We've sometimes got to go in there, and we've got to elevate the situation and create Correct. that um, mm. that anchor moment. You know, something to go back to, something they remember. And hopefully, yes. what we always find is, if that's in front of the teachers, we're we're hoping we're inspiring the teachers to think you know we don't want mm. them to think well paul does it that way and only paul can do it we want them to say mm. that's really interesting how paul got their attention and i'm going to have a go yep. at that myself yes. and, and i think mm. so from a from a theater perspective or a science perspective we have a similar we don't get those long-term relationships generally um mm. although that is an aim of ours going forward and and, and pushing yep. for more you know long-term partnerships for, for, for exactly mm. that reason so we can see things and track things for much longer Um, We also know, I mean, you guys probably feel this as well. um, There is a cultural shift within your centers and your, your, your teams when they start to embrace this idea of arts and curiosity and failure and trying. And when that mindset shifts, I think we see really exciting, dynamic things happening in centers. And I imagine that's what you're looking for in your teams, right? That kind of you know, we're ready for this. We're, we're, we're alive, we're living, we're passionate, we're breathing and we're curious and excited. And, you know, I always say, I was, people always laugh, but I'm always like, are you excited about this? You know, and, and <laughs> as an adult, are you excited? Because if you're not, why should the, the seven-year-old be bothered? <laughs> you know? All right. Exactly, um, exactly. Yeah. Do you, do you see that energy in, in your teams? Is that something you're looking for? Yes. Yeah, I'm looking absolutely. for people who will you know, get out of bed and can't wait to get to work every day. Mm. Uh, and, you know, the thing is, it's, it's uh, that excitement and that enthusiasm you bring to the classroom, even if it's, hey, look, I picked up, you know, a dried leaf as I was coming to school today, <laughs> is going to, you know, get the children excited about, okay, so what is this dead leaf got to do with all of me, you know? So I think, <laughs> I think that persona of that teacher um, mm. You bring your personality, you bring your enthusiasm into the classrooms when you work with children, whether it's 45 minutes or, you know, a whole year long. Uh, yeah. I think the relationship that you build with the children 
to know that mm. you're an interesting person and they know you as a person more than just, you know, this person is going to teach me something. I think mm. that's a very important part of, of education. When I sit in, uh, I've, I've met little schoolhouse centres, obviously on a long-term programme. I love it when they sit and look at you and really study you. I've had many comments about my pointy nose and my blue oh, really? eyes. I find it's fine. Oh yeah, it's brilliant. But, but, you know, just said in, hey, teacher Pong, why is your nose so pointy? And I tell that story a lot, but I, I, I find it brilliant. I love that they're watching and listening and, and studying you and... Yeah, and Paul, you know, you just you just said something that is actually a scientific skill, which yeah. is observation, that the yeah. child was able to realize that you had a pointy nose. And if you want to <laughs> dig down deep on the concepts of that, that child yeah. was able to do comparison, right? Yep. Without actually yeah. having to say, can you please compare this and this on the worksheet for me? But you know, yep. the fact that you're in and you're an interesting person and... They study you. They talk about, hey, mm. you know, I don't have blue eyes, but you have blue eyes. Now, wait, what makes your eyes blue? Mm. How come yep. we have different eye color? So those are the yep. things I think naturally, children are just very natural. We have to avail ourselves. Uh, and the yep. teacher needs to use those moments. She needs to have skills Correct. and strategies yeah, exactly. to just draw in those moments. So those are those important things. Yeah. Yeah, this is what we call incidental learning. I think this is really yeah. very, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's hard to prescribe in kind of a, a, a curriculum or, or a schematic of things. But those incidental learning, if the teacher is able to really use that to amplify the effect, to really deliver, you know, um, kind of why this is a certain way, I, I think that's very important. And I think STEAM has a wonderful opportunity to actually do two things. One is yeah. the whole idea of teacher-directed learning which is important mm -hmm. because mm. some facts have to be taught, directed. Oh, yeah. right? mm. But there's also a wonderful thing where it's child-led sort of learning, where mm. we follow the child's interest. And so yeah. in STEAM, I see the two coming together and marrying so lovely uh, mm. together so that we can do this wonderful balance of having mm. more holistic sort of approach to learning. Mm, correct. So it's from a, a classroom-based learning to even self-directed learning. You know, when they're yeah. really interested, they want to find out more. I think that is what yeah. we hope to really amplify the fire. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And we've talked. We've talked about it so well, which I I knew you guys would deliver on. I mean, like we've covered all of the <laughs> points here so clearly, and we and we could just keep going deeper. But I think mm. that's for me what you both articulated is this importance of uh, variety in your learning, you know, uh, mm. many different perspectives, many different tools. Um, and I think that's, for me, sometimes the fear around education is that we're so siloed into subjects that we miss the opportunities to make these connections, to see each other, to connect with each other, to try different things, to experiment. Um, and for me, that's what the STEAM thing really embraces. It really says, mm -hmm. look, science and maths is super important, but also having some arts in there is, is you know, on a policy level, on a, you know, on a political level, is super important. And so we know that, you know, as subjects, they, they, they complement, but also as a, with my, with my uh, education reform hat on, you know, we're, we're not saying one is better than the other. We're saying they are all important to building that yeah. whole rounded individual. Um, and I think that's what we've been articulating on the podcast today. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And when you said education reform, uh, the late Sir Ken Robinson comes to mind. 
I think he yep. talked a lot about that, about uh, it is important, uh, you know, STEM is really important, but it would enhance uh, learning and the human humanity if we incorporate the arts into it. So... Yep. Well, guys, we are at the end, and I don't, I don't want to keep you for too long, but I'm going to top, we top and tail this podcast with, with a, a couple of fun things. So you're going to do some time traveling, and I now know that you're both incredibly imaginative and creative individuals. And so you're going to, um, you're going to time travel back to your younger self, and you have an opportunity mm-hmm. to offer them a piece of advice or a statement or whisper in their ear about something. Um, if you had that opportunity... What would you do? What would you say? We'll start with Sung Chun. Mm. I would say if I go uh, back maybe 20, 30 years, uh, I would say maybe follow your heart and passion because if you do that, um, you will not have to work a single day of your life. That is that is kind of um, maybe my advice to, to the young people because I know young people nowadays really do follow their heart uh, and passion. I mean, of course, there are some set boundaries that we, we have to follow. But if you do really do follow that, I, I think at least there's a lot of avenues for success uh, in the current situation. Yeah, that's yeah. a brilliant thing. And, and, and Song Chun, I'm very happy that you were willing to time travel because I know that that is not scientifically possible. <laughs> you we, never know. Never say never. Never say never. <laughs> but we can Until imagine. We can wrong. imagine. We were wrong, yes. <laughs> Correct, Jerry. Really nice. Lovely. Thank you for Sung Chun. I think that's a really lovely statement. Uh, Jerry, what about you? What would you go and whisper to yourself? I think uh, I, I don't see myself uh, in, in a job that I, I have to work. I love what I do and I'm very fortunate to do that. Mm. But if I had to travel back to myself, uh, I would say bring your personality into your work, your classrooms. Yeah, and not be somebody uh, that the institutions say you must be. And I think if every teacher could bring her unique or his unique self into the classroom, I think we would have a very, very dynamic, uh, very fun uh, classes and children will not want to stay home. They would want to come to school every day. Brilliant. Well, it's a great way to wrap up. I have to say that, you know, I've, I've worked across the branches with uh, NTUC First Campus and just seen some fantastic work happening there. And so it's a pleasure for, for SRT to, to be working with those teams. So thank, thank you, Jerry. You. Thank um, you. And of course, amazing things happening over at Kids Stop. Um, we're just about to go out with some new outreach work around creating yes. curiosity. Go out and find more about STEAM. Go and, go and get creative. Go and support yeah. the arts. And I think, you know, uh, thank you for sharing those amazing insights today, guys. And uh, maybe at some point as we progress our partnerships in different ways, we'll, we'll come back to the table and, and go even deeper. Um, but for yeah, now, yes. mm. thank you so much, guys. And uh, take care. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. Thanks for having Thanks, us. Paul. Well, there's not much I can do to outro that podcast. They said everything so well, um, but for me, the idea of passion and purpose keeps flowing through that conversation today. And I think Song Tune said it so well. At the end there, follow your dreams, which I think is a great idea. Um, Followed by Dr. Jerry, bring your personality into the room. I think that can serve us in many different ways. And certainly when we're talking about creativity, imagination, arts education, 
we do need to bring our own unique experiences, our unique identities into the room uh, to bring some of that magic and energy with us. So thank you to you both for your wonderful experience, your words and your top tips. Uh, This podcast was recorded via Zoom. It was presented by me, Paul Adams, and it was produced by the SRT Learning and Engagement Team. Until next time, thank you and take care.